If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. Today's chat's been brought to you by International Horse College. International Horse College's motto is people safety and horse welfare. If that's the way you feel when you're working with horses, have a look at this website, internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Now today I'm going to talk to Jason Hill, who's a specialist in rider fitness and safety. We've had him on before in previous podcasts, so if you haven't learned a little bit about EquestraFit, go and have a listen now, horsechats.com, search for Jason or search for Hill. But meanwhile, got him on today. How are you today, Jason? Hi, very well, Glennis. Thanks. Now, Jason, today you're going to talk about the top 10 tips and competition strategies for rider fitness and safety. Why did you choose that? Is there something that students have been asking you, something that you've seen in other students that we need to do? Yeah, I think um, every rider is looking for that little bit of edge in the, in the competition. It's going to help them to uh, prepare and um, relax and, and um, be more uh, effective and competitive. Okay, so we'll get started with mobilising the three movement platforms of the body prior to getting on the horse, the ankles, hips and upper back. What have you got to say about that? Sure. Uh, the, uh, the quality of our movement is dependent on the free range of motion in the ankles, the hips and the upper back. And there's some very simple techniques that can be used before getting on the horse. Um, starting at the ankles, there's if you've ever had a, a rolled ankle or an ankle injury, you'd probably be familiar with the um, residual damage and scar tissue that can build up around the joint. And with a simple technique called gliding, um, you can help break down that scar tissue and assist the uh, fascia and uh, muscle planes to move with more fluid motion. And gliding is a technique that you can use on many segments of the body, and it is simply just moving the joint in, um, in all, all the ranges of motion that that joint um, has the capacity to move it. And for the ankles, you can just simply have the support off a rail or a post and have the, keeping the um, with a staggered stance with one foot forward. You can glide the knee over the line of the toe with the heel in contact of that front foot and um, just forward and back for a set of 15 on either side. And it'll help to um, release uh, what's called fascia. And fascia is like a, a binding tissue that surrounds muscle and penetrates muscle and um, has connectivity properties. And it will help to reduce bind, you know, that, that sense of stiffness when you get out of bed in the morning. Um, so little gliding techniques like that are really effective on the ankles. On the hips, uh, you can have a um, simple hip swing. So if you've got a bit of sport again off a rail, uh, you can swing one leg freely across the body, so in a laterally across the body in front of the opposite leg and out to the side. 
and you can swing the leg um, forward and back. And uh, that's a really simple um, and effective exercise. It'll only take um, 30 seconds each each leg to be able to get the, the hips um, moving and, and it, get, it generates more blood flow to the area and the joint fluids so that when you're on the horse, you've got that fluid, relaxed feel that you're under un, in the saddle. And then on the for the upper back, um, doing extension exercises are effective, but getting all planes of motion in that upper back area is going to assist with the mobilising of of the thoracic, which is the upper spine. And we have limited range of motion in that upper back area, but we need all the range of motion that we can get. So, um, and having more range of motion enables the core to activate more effectively. So when you're mobilizing the upper back area, it gives the um, core a chance to uh, work and stabilize once you're on the horse. What can we do with um, a competition tool? You know, something that's going to take us to a competition so we can warm up, get going. Do foam rollers work, or can you explain a little bit about foam rollers? What size is it exactly? And tell us a little bit about how to use it. Sure. Uh, foam rollers used widely now for therapy, and um, a lot of sports teams use them. They're a um, they're they're shaped like a cylindrical tube, and they're made out of different types of um, materials. Uh, they're a, a foam uh, that they, they're high, some are higher density, some are lower density. The higher the density of the foam roll, the more effective it is at uh, moving soft tissue around. So there's group um, movements and exercises that you can do on a foam roller, such as rolling the upper back. So that's another example of mobilising the upper back area. And you simply um, lie on the foam roller with um, uh, the foam roller placed behind the shoulder blade. And just by raising the hips and um, giving the head and neck a little bit of support, you can roll that upper back area. And what it does is draws um, blood and um, other fluids to that area, so it, it uh, hydrates tissue. This is simple for um, helping repair tissue and to uh, break down and bind in those areas. It's a, and it's nice and light to travel with, so you can take it to a competition and it's... Um, so the recruiting in the muscle chains of movements of the horse. Can you explain a little bit about that, please? What you can actually do is um, you can do certain groups of certain exercises to wake up a muscle or to get it to um, recruit in the, whole, the full chain of muscles. So 
we have chains of muscles that join together with uh, what are called fascic planes, I mentioned before. For example, we have one um, chain of uh, muscles that travel from um, base of the feet through the back of the leg, the calves, the hamstrings, through the back extensors, all the way up through the neck and across the scalp and fin at the eyebrows. It's all one chain of muscle. And uh, if um, there can be muscles within that chain that are more active than others, and so we can help to um, get um, segments of that chain or um, to activate by doing simple exercises. What's specific for equestrians are all the stabilizers around the hips and the lower abdominals. So the the stabilizers sit on the side of the hip. So those are called your glute medius. And there's doing um, to help activate those muscles. You can do uh, single leg uh, stands and single leg squats. You may need a bit of support against the rail or a post to be able to do that. And um, and being mindful of keeping your knee and ankle alignment, and you can uh, holding onto your post, you hinge back at the hips, and just do a small uh, squat that will um, help to get those glute medius to fire up, so that it's working up, as like I was saying, and that when you get onto the horse, you'll feel like you've got lateral stability, and of course stability is the key for riders and um, so they don't fall off. Part of those lateral stabilizers are your obliques. So the obliques are your abdominal muscles that sit on the side of the stomach and to activate those you can do some planks, um, some planks. And um, so there's some really effective exercises if you look on um, YouTube for those as well. There are a couple of really simple exercises just to help to keep those muscles recruiting. That's interesting, yeah. So, Jason, you've had lower back injuries. You know, how can we manage injury and avoid the pain of the lower back or any other injuries as well? Sure. And I think probably most um, equestrians could um, empathise with some um, lower back pain at some stage of their riding career. And it's um, due to the fact that there's a lot of compressive forces on that lower back. Uh, and in the, the lumbar region in particular. And um, uh, so uh, managing lots of muscles around that whole section of the body is key to keeping a healthy spine. And um, uh, so one of the parts of those muscles in particular are the hip flexors for riders. When we are in the on the horse, we are in a uh, slight hip flex position, and uh, typically the hip flexes over a period of time come short. And if you were, especially if your vocation is so you're seated for long periods of the time of the day, uh, your hip flexors shorten and adapt to whatever position that you do mostly in the day. Hip flexors attach to the lumbar, the deeper flexors attach to the lumbar region. And um, sometimes if we are um, 
clearly most people are right-handed. And so we are using the right side of our body um, and the right hip flexor um, uh, commonly is uh, tighter. So if you have musculature that's tighter on one side of the body, it will pull on the skeletal structure, or in this case the lumbar region, to one side, which causes irritation around the joints and inflammation, and then that inflammation starts to view that pain. And, um, so helping reduce that pain is doing uh, hip flexor stitches or hip openings. A really simple exercise. If you come down onto one knee and you stick it, your stance, so you've got one leg forward and, one, uh, and, and while you're resting on the back knee, and a right angle in both knees, and you just tailbone under slightly so that you're flattening the lower back and squeeze the glute or the butt on that back leg and that'll hurt. You might find that that position alone will start to stretch the front of the hip and the hip flexors. What we will do with the hip flexors so there's less pull on the lumbar area and once you've been stretching muscle, you're actually inhibiting that muscle to um, so it's best um, active in the uh, chain of reference, like we were saying. And um, like couple, once you've inhibited that muscle and you've uh, released off the front chain, which is the hip flexor, you then activate the back chain. So you do what's called the donkey tap. So a donkey tap is come down onto all fours, like and it's also called a stance, and subdivisionals. And, uh, you need to hooks and raise and leg like a like a picking essentially and creates boots. And um so what it does is it changes the balance of the hip and it helps release the um the hip flexor and then it activates the glutes and then that changes the pelvic position in the saddle as well. So it's um comes so you can sit with more neutral position on the foot bones and that'll help reduce the pain also stop i need to interrupt this chat for a hot off the press notification that is that the latest version of the book 101 careers in the horse industry is now available and the best news is that it's a free download so if you work in the horse industry if you have a plan to work in the horse industry and have a career in the horse industry, or if you know someone who plans to have a career in this fabulous industry, then this is an essential book for you to read now and then keep as a reference as you progress through your career. With over 100 jobs to choose from, you'll probably find at least one that you'd happily do without being paid. So simply go to internationalhorsecollege.com, scroll down to the bottom of the page and click on the 101 careers in the horse industry button to receive your free career book. Imagine, maybe one day you could be a guest on Horse Chats. Now, if we talk about alignment and straightness, and you've done, you know, you've done a lot to get us aligned, the exercises you've used and everything else, but I want to think now about alignment and straightness. What can we do to make a quick check before we get on the horse to make sure we are aligned and to make sure that we're straight? Actually, that feeds into what, um, what we were talking about just before. If, to identify what hip flexor is tighter for you, really simple exercise. If you can't just standing and you put your heels on straight line, so, um, so that essentially so the, the back of your feet are aligned, 
and you take both the thumbs and place them on the top of your uh, pelvis. So if you feel around the um, the top of the pelvis, you'll feel a root where the um, where the, the uh, it's called the ASIS, um, and it's if you pass both at the top of the pelvis and take a glance down at your thumbs, a quick check to see if one of your hips is slightly forward uh, than the other opposite hip, and the or the thumb or that is slightly forward. Um, is the hip that is the tight one. So that's the one that you need to stretch. Um, and you can um, follow that up with the, the stretch that I was just talking about. So um, it's a really simple check to, to get the, um, before you get on the horse, to see what the position of your hips and um, with that simple check. And once you've got that, your pelvis in a neutral position, it's a easier for you to gain a, um, a, a longer leg in a, in, a, um, in a neutral position with the upper body also. Okay, so say if we've done that check, what exercises and stretches can we use to realign the body prior to getting on the horse? Sure. Um, there's um, essentially we want to have this, the same uh, balance of or length of muscles in the front of the body as we do in the back. And if our muscles in the front body are short, well, that'll draw us into a slouch position, which is a common position for riders. Once the shoulders roll forward, the heat tends to do find a, um, what's called a pug neck position or a forward or anterior position. And it puts a lot of stress through the neck and through the shoulders and the upper back. Um, typically, that position comes about from being in sedentary roles and, and the, the front chain of muscle, again, just shortens over time and adapts to that position. So we do the opposite of that in uh, um, exercise routines or, or um, intermittently throughout the day is, is, is best. So the body um, doing exactly uh, uh, standing and, uh, and placing the hands in the small of the back for some support, switching on glutes, so squeezing the butt, and then extending back and putting a sense of space in the back of the neck. You're looking up to the ceiling or to the sky, and you're just pressing the hips forward and rolling the shoulders back so you can the whole front chain of muscles open and lengthen. You want to hold that position for about 20 to 30 seconds, um, two sets, and um, you'll find that your body will just start to give a sense of, of space in the, the front of the body and a, a sense of height when you're seated in the saddle. So that's a, a really simple technique there. And um, um, other chest openers, especially because most of us have a, um, uh, a slight um, anterior position or, or position with the shoulders. And so um, opening, doing these sort of chest openers where you're, um, you've got the, you can take the hands, clasp the hands and behind the body or behind the back and, and to, um, open up the chest and again, just hold 20 seconds 
and it'll open up all the breathing cavities and, and the intercostal muscles to the rib cage and enable a full breath, which is essential for relaxation and techniques also. Okay, so we've lined up, we're fit and we're ready and ready to get on the horse and we move off walk and a bit of sitting trot, but we're bouncing around too much or we're tense. What muscles can we do use or target to help improve that sitting trot? Sure. The, um, the, this is a question I get asked a lot, and it's every rider wants to be able to sit better to the trot. And a lot of the riders that um, struggle with the most very tight adductor muscles. So the adductor muscles are the muscles on the inside of the thighs. And um, in dominant muscles in the body, so if a tighter muscle is regarded as a dominant muscle, and tighter muscles tend to take over a movement. So what happens in the, uh, for a rider that has a tight adductor muscle they tend to want to try to grip with um, the inner thigh to be able to stabilise. And because dominant muscles will become more dominant, it means weaker muscles become weaker. So by, again, stretching the adductor muscles, you inhibit those adductor muscles. And then it gives the... Uh, um, the weaker muscles to fire and stabilize. There's a the communication that goes on between the adductor muscles and the glute medius, which is the muscle that we were talking about earlier. So doing an, an, an inhibition stretch on the adductors would be um, something like a um, Yeah. 
competition or something you know how can we manage the stress and anxiety if you've got some correct breathing techniques we can use or types of movements that we can use even before we even get on the horse yeah yeah breathing techniques are really important though um to see um sometimes we go and we can go into stress breathing which or, or even not breathing at all when we're on the horse and so um, prior to getting on the horse, just to know where your um, anxiety levels are, it's a good test. If you place one hand on the stomach or one hand on the on the chest and you feel where the breathing is coming from, if it's coming from the stomach, you've got good diaphragmatic breathing. So it means your diaphragm's opening and closing effectively. And after the stomach uh, uh, rises or, or fills, then the, the secondary breathers or the chest should open also. And that's natural uh, breathing pattern. If you're finding that the stomach's not moving and, and you're just using a secondary breathers, there's a good chance that your anxiety levels are uh, raised. The secondary breathers also referred to as your stress breathing, um, stress, stress breathers, and the response from the body is raised cortisol levels in the, in the system. What happens if you're stress breathing, your cortisol levels rise, and those stress we need a, a certain amount of that cortisol in our system to, get, to help us function, but if they get too high, then that creates uh, tension in the body and other heightened uh, responses. Um, so the the fascia and the muscle muscular system are um, affected by the um, your hormonal levels. So keeping those hormonal levels and all the feel good hormones in, in balance are really key. A couple of uh, research has shown that. Um, Doing a victory pose is very effective for raising uh, the feel-good hormones in the body. So a victory pose is with the arms above the head and open out to the side in a standing position with the hips forward. So the whole front of the body is um, is open. And um, if you hold that for two minutes, you'll get the, um, all the endorphins and the and the feel-good hormones um, firing around your system, and that will help your breathing and your relaxation. So it's a really simple technique. Now, how important is good shoulder mobility, like stability, alignment, or what can we do to improve this? Sure. 
form of joint has a lot of range of, is a uh, many ranges of motion. So and uh, and to enable that the to move and all those planes of motion, it's held there with balance of muscles on the, on the top to the front and the back and under. And so having the right balance of those muscles, front to back, top to bottom, is key for a neutral shoulder position. Like I was saying earlier, typically most of our shoulders are, are um, has an anterior uh, rotation or um, a forward position. And that means that the, the front chain of muscle or the pecs, it's the chest muscles, are short and that the um, upper back muscles that are attached to the shoulder blade are long. So when to balance it, we can sit on the horse with a more neutral position with the shoulder, and with a more neutral position comes relaxation in the shoulder girdle, and of course, relaxed shoulder and um, is, is, uh, is important for a... Um, a, uh, a good sensory um, feedback with the contact. And uh, so if we're holding tension in the shoulder, that will transfer down the arm through all those planes of muscle fascia and it will transfer into the contact and the horse's mouth uh, ultimately. So having a, changing the balance of the shoulder and bringing it into a more neutral position will um, usually, for most of us, mean doing... Um, uh, releasing the pecs, simple technique, taking a tennis ball, rolling it around the chest area up against a wall. You might find that there's some white spots there. And then opening up the, the chest with, um, by bringing those, the arms behind, good position is taking a hand, flat hand position on a wall or the side of the, of the float and, um, and just turning away from that position so that you're... Um, Lengthening out the uh, peak and the arm line, and um, and then doing rows. So rows are um, uh, like a rowing machine, essentially. So that'd be shortening the back chain muscle. It's difficult to do rows in, a, uh, in, a, in the front. I mean, you can, if you're that keen, you can actually um, <clears throat> under the um, the bar of a float and, and uh, grab a hold of the bum bar and, and, and lift yourself up with the feet on the ground. And uh, that'll help to activate that chain of muscle and all the stabilizers that sit around that um, shoulder joint. So the, um, you know, it's a it's really simple te- um, methodology, really. It's releasing the tight muscles and activating the, the weaker ones. Okay, now is there such a thing as body mapping when we're mounted on the horse, you know, alignment, joint positioning along those lines? What can you tell us about that? Sure, sure. Body, I call it body mapping um, because uh, a quick scan of the body when you're on the horse and um, you can start at the hips, start at the pelvis, um, and it's a it's a, an incredible dialogue that you've got going on in your head, essentially, about where are the, where's the position of my sit bones. And I'm sitting directly on top of my sit bones, or am I sitting to the back of the saddle, or am I sitting to the front of the saddle? Um, you, you want to have that neutral position over top of those sit bones. And, um, and then it's 
um, and the dialogue can um, move down to the um, leg position. Is it, have you got a um, last in a fight? Is your um, leg down and on, or is it gripping up? Is um, are you carrying any superfluous tension in the body? And if so, roll that shape out. Really effective technique just by um, like shoulders. Most a lot of riders have action in the shoulders without realising it, and um, you can shake the shoulders, and, and it's shown to help to uh, release uh, those muscles. I mean, you might want to be careful about shaking too much on on particular uh, horses, but um, it's um, it's a quick and effective um, technique, and um, the um, so it's really a head to toe body scan of, of where your positioning is, what your structure and alignment is like on the horse. Jason, this has been perfect today. I've I've actually done all the movements as you've been going. I haven't sort of counted because we've been, you know, too busy having a conversation. But I have done a lot of these movements. So I think I've done all of them, and I feel so much better. You know, so much better, warmed up, ready to go riding. I think the exercises that you've given us to, um, you know, to get ready, the top 10 tips for improving our competition strategies, you know, from Jason Hill, who's a rider specialist and rider fitness and safety, and you can find out a bit more about him on horsechats.com. Just go to horsechats.com, search for Jason, search for Hill, and this is actually his talk number three. So I think if you want to go through those exercises, we've got some show notes with times timestamps um, if there's any particular exercises or just go through and keep listening to them and doing the exercises as you go and if you need to stop turn off the recording and then start again I think it's just a really good warm-up session before you get on a horse you don't have to worry about competitions just go and do it every day before you um, get on a horse anyway Jason thanks very much for coming today we hope to we'll catch up with you again soon and um, go through some more tips on rider fitness and safety. Thank you. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below 